Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first Paddock Pass <laughs> podcast note show from the San Marino Grand Prix. As at this point, we're a handover today for the full pronunciation of the correct Grand Prix title. That would need me to actually have it in front of me. And given it's the San Marino and uh, Riviera di Rimini and God knows what else, um, I will give it a pass. Anyway, so uh, Misano, welcome to Misano. I'm quite happy to have thrown you under the bus there, Dave. And I'm <laughs> pleased that it ran you over. This one is always just, I mean, it's just terrible just because, you know, they have to stick everything in. And so the name then just ends up being sort of like forever. You know, they have to add a uh, little pieces of paper to all of the official header note header just to stick all of the entire title on. Well, I suppose we have to tick the boxes for the people that pay the bills to bring everything here. But um, it's been a bit sweaty today, hasn't it, guys? 30 degree temperatures, the forecast looking good for the whole weekend. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a classic Adriatic Coast kind of Grand Prix event. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, weather's looking fantastic. The funny thing was, um, I was expecting it to be colder in Holland, because in Ho uh, colder than in Holland, because in Holland it's 31 degrees as well. So, um, but actually came here and it's just as sweaty. Neil, are you feeling the heat? I am feeling the heat in more <laughs> ways than one. Um, yes, it's been uh, it's been beautiful, and I think it is supposed to be beautiful right the way through to Monday when we'll be testing here as well. So, um, yeah, it's pretty idyllic. Speaking of heat. Is Mark Marquez just winding us all up? No. Really, Dave? Uh, uh, okay, uh, should we give some context to listeners first? Yes. Go on, then. All right, okay. So, um, uh, obviously, we've been talking about this for weeks, months, that Mark Marquez m could go to Grassini, uh, ride the Grassini Ducati alongside his brother, Alex. Um, today, Gunter Wiesinger, who generally is... At pretty much on the money about these things, uh, says that Mark, Mark is, ha, has published a story saying that Mark will be riding for Grassini Ducati next year uh, alongside Alex. Um, the, the, I mean, the it's a very complicated situation. Uh, obviously, Honda's um, uh, uh, or HRC boss, uh, the, the head of, uh, of HRC, whose name escapes me, Koji Watanabe, I want to say, but I'm not Watson, sure. Yeah. Okay, um, said that they would let Mark go, um, so he wouldn't have to pay a uh, he wouldn't have to pay by himself out of his contract. Um, there is a clause in his contract that he can't go to another factory team, which is fairly standard. You don't want people jumping from factory factory uh, from factory to factory early. Um, is this story right? I. Would say there's probably about a 75% chance of it being right. I also had a heard some things in Barcelona, someone saying that Mark was complaining that he couldn't get out of his contract. <laughs> it is clear that you know, look, there's only one thing that Mark wants to do, and that's win races. Simple as that. Um, so the fact that it's a satellite team is irrelevant. Um, you know, the the fact that it is underfunded is also irrelevant. Doesn't make any difference. All of the, there'll be a whole bunch of sponsors who go with Mark. Money will not be an issue. That's not an issue. He wants to win. The, the issue is whether it can be done or not. Neil, not to disparage Gunter's reputation, of course, but is this uh, a speculative story at best? I mean, is it a, cl I don't want to say a clickbait thing, but obviously it's an, a, an article that's getting attention. I mean, how much kind of stock do we give something like this? Because there have been signs that, I mean, Mark's had the appearance and, and the demeanour of somebody who's been whipping himself with a wet fish for, for quite a substantial amount of time. 
Yeah, I think it's something we have to take seriously. Gunther has uh, reported accurately on things going on at Honda before. He was the guy that got the Calix story. Um, he was also the guy that got the Calix swing arm story, I think, earlier this year. Um, and um, it wasn't just him. Mela Cercolez of Diario Ass also said today that, from what he had heard, um, it was edging ever closer, Mark, to Grissini. So it's not just a one-off thing. This is um, something that's kind of been in the air for a while that we've sort of been hearing possibilities of this happening. Um, and then I think Gunther's the one that's really the first one to report it with absolute certainty. So, um, yeah, there's, there definitely seems to be something up. Mark posted a video of him with um, uh, a little uh, bit of uh, text which read something like, Cosas están pasando which means like things are happening. Um, yeah, but, but you don't know whether that's just like taking the piss or it seems to wind be, up. Yeah, it seems to be some kind of um, Spanish popular culture reference which went entirely over my head, but you two are probably slightly better to um, um, I place. Think it's more just from you two or? I think he's just on the wind-up. I mean, to be honest, Dave, we, you and I were both in the official sort of Mark Marquez debrief where, of course, he's not going to say anything that he cannot say or won't say before any sort of announcement, but he did reiterate twice that he was not going anywhere. He has a contract no, he, with Honda. He, he didn't say he wasn't going anywhere. What he said was, I have a contract, have a contract for, uh, with Honda for 2024, which is true. That doesn't mean he isn't going to get out of his contract for 2024. doesn't mean anything. Okay. It, it, it's, a, um, it's a very formally correct... It's exactly the sort of thing that... Um, uh, I would be saying if I had been briefed by my lawyer <laughs> just before you're being interviewed by the police. Yeah. Um, You've been in that situation a few times. I <laughs> have nothing to say about that at this moment in time. You have a contract for 2024. I have a right? contract. Yeah. Well, you're you're familiar with the local constabulary in, in your <laughs> Dutch hometown. Yeah, like, I mean, this is something that Mark's been saying. He's been very careful not to say something that could trip him up later, where we could point and say, oh, you're a lion there. He's kind of towed this line for a while now. Um, also, in Catalonia, a few people were trying to get in touch with his manager, Jimmy Martinez, to clarify the situation. And from what I heard, the response there was very much, we've nothing really new to say. Now, if nothing was happening, he would just say, come out and say, well, you know, yeah, nothing to see here. This is all nonsense. But the fact that he's saying, well, there's nothing really new to report, I mean, it very much keeps the door completely open with regards to people speculating on it. So, um, yeah, exactly. What you have to do is read bet read between the lines, read what people are, uh, hear what people aren't saying, and what they aren't saying is it's not true. What they're saying is this is the situation as of right now. I mean, the timing is hot because we're 72 hours away from Honda needing to explain or show or demonstrate something to Mark about next year. I mean, of course, they're not going to wheel anything out of the garage here at the test on Monday that will, you know, radically change things, the situation, certainly for this year or maybe even next year, you know, in the early stages. But like you said, I think Dave, uh, in, a, in a tweet or uh, I can't remember on the website, motormatters.com, that... Uh, Marcus is going to be looking for clues, breadcrumbs, um, you know, a change, yeah, of, change of attitude. The bike that, that, the bike that Joanne Mir will definitely be testing on Monday um, is basically something which 
Stefan Bradl has been testing. It's something that they've been working on since probably about February or March of this year. Um, there will have been a few changes to it. There'll be some updates to it, but it's not going to be a radically. It's not going to be radically different. What Mark will, if, if Mark is not going to leave, what Mark will want to know is what has is the attitude. Has the attitude changed? Have um, has the approach changed? Um, uh, is there a plan? Um, you know what? What are we going to do going forward? It's not about uh, you know. Oh wow! Look, this bike is all of a sudden a second quicker. It, because if it if it was that easy, they would have done it already. Um, it's going to be about uh, okay. This is this is where we are. This is where we know where we are. This is what we're doing for um, at, at this test. We're going to bring this, 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 this um, uh, for the future. We have a plan. We've hired all of these people. That's what he wants to hear. It's uh, whether he's signed or whether he's intending to sign with another team, then, you know, Honda are going to be sweating at some point. They're going to, whatever moves they have in the pocket to try and keep him or reassure him, you know, they're going to have to come out soon. Anyway. What's more interesting is who replaces him, but that's a, Oof, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, 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 that's a long story. God, I mean, Honda can Honda even plan for that contingency? I guess you have to put all of your chips on keeping Mark and think, you know, that well, you have the to un- do, that's you the unthinkable, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you, you have to do. You have to put all of your chips on keeping Mark anyway. But you also need a backup plan, and the backup plan is not looking particularly rosy at the moment. Unless you want to, you know, you start thinking about bringing in Ikaloka Lekwona for a year um, uh, to, to fill the seat, because that's literally what you'd be doing. Yeah, twenty-three-year-old from Superbike to develop the machine. It's not the ideal situation alongside Joan Mir. Listen, let's move on. Other news: Pekka Bagnaya made it here. He's in the press conference. He looked. You know, in pretty good shape considering. He said, uh, to quote, um, he's pleased and lucky to be here, and he felt that it was important to be here for his, f- his home Grand Prix. Of course, like the rest of the VR46 stable, you know, it's a circuit that those guys know well. They train here. Uh, he credited Alpine Star for the, the protective capabilities of his suit and also the airbag around the hip areas. And, uh, you know, he said. <laughs> that the crash involved uh, the, the longest slide ever. He said he didn't think it was ever going to finish, and then he knew he was in trouble. So, uh, you know, we knew that Bagnaya had a lucky escape, but the fact that he's here and ready to race, and he said that, you know, the physio he's been having, the, the steps he's made in the last four days have been incredible. So uh, it seems fantastical, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's really positive news. Um, again, yeah, th- th- I think it's a very good point pointing out the... You know the benefits of the of the I think it's the Tech Air 10 uh, airbag. Uh, it, I mean the the high side itself was absolutely vicious, and years ago that would have been enough to break all sorts of things. Um, the, the fact that he got his leg run over by uh, Brad Binder, I mean that was just a stroke of real luck just pure luck uh, he said he had a, a massive hematoma from his knee down uh, to his ankle I think which is which is quite nasty um, it was interesting again saying they looked to the data he looked at the data that he did nothing wrong he nearly crashed three times on the warm up lap um, and the last corner Martin had to take evasive action actually uh, you know he was explaining that in the press conference and now they've asked Michelin for some analysis or for some information so they're waiting for them to get back I to think them. I saw a story today I haven't spoken to any from Michelin but I think I saw a story today saying you know we looked at it you were taken away for a, for a examination so far we haven't been able to see anything unusual um, I mean it looked like a cold, a cold tire high side that's that's exactly what it looked like but if it if the tire had been cold he would have had a warning on his dashboard and if he was having problems all the way around previously then there's um, you know there's something else but yeah the, I mean this is trouble at 
Barcelona, a track which is very, very low grip anyway. And you know, a lot of questions to, to riders today have been about the amount of TV replays shown of the incident, uh, you know, whether it was too graphic, you know. <coughs> what's our feeling about that? Because my personal view is that, you know, it, it's, it's something that's part of the sport. It's a motorsport to a degree. It's also, therefore, a blood sport because things can go wrong and can go badly wrong. I, I think it just... It's, people seem to be getting worked up unnecessarily about things that are on TV. And, you know, Fabio Quattararo said, yeah, there were too many replays. We don't need to see that before the race. But don't watch it. I think Brad Binder was quite they succinct, as he always is, about these sort of things. <coughs> and says, well, you know, this is racing and these things can happen. Yeah, and also, you know, the, those TVs in the pits do actually have remote controls with an off switch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to me... <laughs> I do understand. I do understand that riders get upset about it. I think because, like Marquez said, uh, you know, it's part of the sport. It, 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 it's this is what happens. And uh, then I think Simon Patson said, you know, it was shown 19 times, and said, all right, maybe that's a bit, that's a bit too much. Um, but to me, I mean, like I've watched that crash probably. <laughs> 30, 40, 50 times because you want to understand what's happening. Yeah, of course. You know, you yeah. want to understand exactly what happened. There's a forensic element, element to yeah, it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, exactly. And also, it's, it, it's, it's very, very important to show uh, to, um, uh, to, to show to viewers, you know, for a start, why they're not racing, what happened, all the rest of it. But yeah, I mean, there is an element, a, a, a sort of a sensationalist element to it, perhaps. Um, and it will be very upsetting for uh, riders. I mean, it, it, it's sort of it sort of reminds me of um, was it the, the the first Austria where with the Zarco turn three. yeah turn three the, that that massive turn three crash there where you saw just how close Valentino Rossi and Maverick Vinales came to being wiped out yeah 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 exactly so. It is. It, it, it's really difficult to find uh, find a balance. Personally, I didn't think it was too. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. Also, the other thing is the most important thing was you knew that he was okay. That's what the riders were complaining about, saying we didn't know if he was okay. Well, actually, there was information that yeah. you know he was. But yeah. I think asking the riders for that opinion is you're talking about. I mean, Luca Marini has ever gave a very balanced view of it by saying. You know, the media's job is to cover the sport. Yeah. Um, and Dorna, uh, you know, giving comprehensive TV pictures of this incident, they've been made aware that Bagnai is okay. He's just getting treatment on the track. So, therefore, you know, when you have 15 different views of the incident, then, you know, why not show it? Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, okay, it's a situation I could swing either way, but I, I think, you know, we, we shouldn't get too too dramatic about it perhaps yeah uh, it, again it, it's a it's a balance i mean yes it yes they did show they did show the replay a lot um but yes this is as you say it's a blood sport people do get hurt and when you know that a rider is okay uh, certainly when you know dawn know the tv i think if there is a criticism it is to be um it is that they that, that what Dorna don't do is, is show quickly enough. Okay, he's up and moving. Um, then again, the risk there is yeah, he's he's up and moving. Then he collapses because he's got an internal hemorrhaging, something like that. Uh, Neil, are you okay? You haven't put your lungs out on the table. I mean, 
getting the thumbs up there for the way from the microphone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're getting the old Peko Banyaya thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, I would think twice about putting Marco Bezzecchi in your MotoGP fantasy team uh, this weekend. Uh, he was in the press conference with a bandage on his left hand. He said that there's no serious damage, but he's got. He had some pain in his left hand as well as his thumb. He's been having physio twice a day. He said that the muscles are kind of locked up and it's actually hard to grip the handlebars. <coughs> uh, it doesn't bode terribly well for his home Grand Prix, even though he did give a nice anecdote about coming here as a small boy when his dad used to bring him and he'd sit on the grassy slopes and watch MotoGP. And now he has a grandstand to himself. But uh, I, I think we have to be slightly modest or perhaps uh, not have such great expectations around the number 72 this weekend. Yeah, I mean... Uh Yes, Marco. Also, uh, uh, I remember Sunday night. His his hand looked did look really swollen. I didn't see him today, so I don't know what his hand looked like. But it did look like he was uh, he, he was in serious pain. Left hand is better than right hand for ob- obvious reasons. Um, but even then, it, it's got to be it's got to be difficult. You know, and there was nothing that he could really do about it. Uh, he just got completely punted um, there you, was, you say that about the left hand day but the left hand's got a lot to do these days yes I mean that, that's fair enough but it's not like the um, uh, it, it's not like the right hand where you, c- you can never rest your right hand especially under braking so the, you know you um, under braking if your if your left hand is injured you can lean a little bit more on the right on the right side of the body you can use your shoulder a little bit you can move your uh, move your left hand around a little bit just to, to take some of the pressure off of it but your right hand because you're operating the brake, you're operating the throttle, you have to keep it in position all of the time and you can never really move it out and give it a little bit of a rest. Neil, are you you feeling okay? Are you with us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thoughts about um, Luca Marini, uh, the VR, Moody VR46 team, again, using the Grand Prix to announce another sort of contract extension, I guess. You know, Marini extending his stay with the team. Uh, hardly a surprise, but I think the most significant piece of information is that it's a one-year deal because Marini said he wanted to align himself with the rest of the rider market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's kind of uh, spoken a few times this year about how his uh, end goal is to get a seat in a factory team um, sooner rather than later. But I think this is a deal that suits all parties. Um, really not surprising at all. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's good that those guys have stuck with uh, the riders that they've had this year. I think they're still leading the team's championship, even though they both were outside the top 10 in Barcelona. So yeah, it makes sense for both sides. Um, the RNF Unlock podcast you guys did earlier, you touched on Moto E. Uh, that's coming to a bit of a thrilling conclusion now. Three riders tied on points or, or with a possibility of winning winning the title, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. The leader, Matias Castellet, has a 21-point advantage over second. But yeah, still three riders that can uh, realistically have a, f- a shot at the title. So um, yeah, it's set up quite nicely. Uh, it's been the first year for Ducati providing machinery in Moto E. As we all know, Dave, you went to the initial presentation of Ducati's electric project. Uh, Neil, you've been commentating on it all year. We spoke to Nicolas Gouet, the racing director. Is that the right title? Uh, CEO, I think, of Moto E. CEO of Moto E. Okay. Um, you also caught up with him as well here in Mazzano uh, to give a bit of an evaluation of how things have gone. And here is what Nicolas had to say. So like a new era, Nicola, obviously, with Moto E this year, and we're coming towards the end of the first World Championship. I mean, um, how would you say that the season has gone? Very well, very well. You know, uh, we, we were thrilled at the beginning of the year, you know, to have the Ducati, an electric Ducati 
um, replacing the, uh, the the first run we had. So we knew the bike was going to be uh, to be fast and it was going to be a big step, but I, I didn't expect such a big step actually. And uh, and then the 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 question mark was. Uh, was the bike going to be reliable, you know, because it was the first time that Ducati had made an electric bike. So nobody knew exactly what to expect on, on, on that side. Um, and of course, the, the teams had to learn how to make, to, to work with that bike as well. So that was a, a, a big step for them to make. But, you know, looking at um, all the events, we didn't have any single mechanical or electrical issue uh, during races. Uh, the teams, um, Ducati organized, of course, some training during the winter. But I think the first two tests, especially, were quite hard for the teams, you know, to get used to the uh, bike setup and to all the electronics that the bike is equipped with. But um, all in all, I mean, from the first race on, I mean, it's been, it looked easy. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, so very, very good, very positive. You, you mentioned the, the performance of the bike has been quite strong. I think consistently we've had the lap record beaten by maybe three to four seconds at, at each track we've gone to. I mean, it has been a, a consistent, considerable step forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, um, for speed, for lap time, it's been a, a big step forward. You know, the, the bike output is about the same as the Energica, but compared to the first Energica in, in 2019, they gain nearly 40 kilograms. So that makes a big difference, of course. Um, and, um, and the bike is, is designed for track use. Energica made a very good job to tune the street bike they had, you know, to, um, for it to be usable on a, on a track. But of course, when you design from scratch a bike specifically for a track, I mean, you know what you're looking for. So it was, uh, it was easier, and then of course Ducati has got a very high know-how, you know, in designing uh, race bikes. The bike is equipped as well with all the electronics for the from the other categories they had their racing, and the bike is very easy, you know, to, to ride. I remember at the end of the second test, three of the top riders came to see me and said to me, "We have to do something." I said, "Why?" Because we cannot make a difference. The bike is so easy to ride. <laughs> it didn't turn out to be really true because we, we found, you know, at, at, the, at the front fighting the same riders as before, but, and it could make a difference. But, but I must say that the bike is, is a lot easier to ride. A good example is what happened with, uh, you know, Guterres when Lucas Salvadori couldn't come. He missed two races, so Austria and... Uh, and, and Silverstone, yeah, and uh, no, the last two. Sorry, Austria and Barcelona. Barcelona yeah. And uh, Oscar, you know, jumped on the bike, and he was after the first session, from the second session, he was there. So after 15 minutes, we could say, you know, and uh, so that's a good, a good proof that the, the the bike is very easy to ride. So it's a lot more similar to a proper racing bike. Yeah. Um, in terms of entertainment, I mean, I think Model E this year has been as exciting as any other season. Had some great races, but also had a lot of um, variety. I think seven different winners right this year. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Quite impressive. So um, the, the spectacle has been what we hoped, I guess. Yes, as you said, I mean, 
in my opinion, from the beginning, the, the Moto E races have been quite fun to watch um, from when we started. And, uh, and we, we, are, we have continued, you know, uh, the, the races have, have been very entertaining to uh, this year as well. As you said, a lot of different uh, winners. Then, the, if you look at the um, gap between the first between the first and the fifth each race, the gap has kept decreasing. Uh, you know, from race one to um, to now, except during when we have rain. You know, when we have rain, the gaps are are bigger. But um, I mean, that the last race, I think you had the first five guys were you know, within. 16 or something like that. I mean, double check that number, but I mean, uh, yeah. very little. <laughs> so, um, for me, there's two good reasons, you know, why why the races are entertaining. The format, race, race duration is about the same as with the energy car, and you have only one strategy. So, <laughs> no question. <laughs> um, this and then the fact that all the bikes are the same, so everybody has got the same material. Um, so it's kind of a guarantee that the, the show is going to be there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, just one final thing, Nicola. Where where do we go from here? What does what can Ducati do for next year? Do you think to um, to keep improving this, uh, this machine that they design? The the machine will not change next year. You know, there might be. Uh, very small adjustment, but uh, no, no real change. I mean, it was a big, a big challenge for them, you know, to come up with something completely, completely new. So they invested uh, a lot of efforts, uh, a lot of time, and um, we restricted as well a lot of um, setting possibilities, you know, for the for the team to give time to the teams to learn gradually. Uh, how the bike works and taking into account as well that we have very limited track time so for next season we will still have very limited track time so we cannot open all the settings you know like they have on normal I would say uh, of the other series racing bikes but we'll, we will discuss from now on with the uh, team managers uh, to see what we can do you know if we, we, we will probably free up a couple of things um, and um, so the, the, the learning process from the teams, you know, the bike learning process is going to continue for all next year as well. And there will not be any big changes neither on the bike nor on the, uh, nor on the format of the race weekend. We're quite happy, you know, about the format with the two races um, on, uh, on Saturday alongside the MotoGP Sprint Race, which is a big help. Yeah. Because it's, it's really successful, um, and um, regarding the calendar, it's not fixed yet because we're waiting, of course, to have the MotoGP calendar. But more or less, I mean, we will keep eight events in Europe. We will not go um, overseas. Um, but but the, what, what we want to do is to um, start earlier, start the European, I mean, our season earlier, to have a longer season. I mean, this year we started quite late. Because we wanted to take to give time to Ducati, you know, to, to test and then to adjust the bike if they had needed to. Yes. So that's why we, we started quite late. We started in Le Mans. So next year we'll probably start earlier.
Okay, guys, um, just coming back quickly, we didn't really get too much into sort of a preview for Mizano in our podcast this week. So how are we feeling about predictions generally for the weekend, um, considering the weather, considering we're in a high grip track? <coughs> uh, you know, any kind of thoughts, anyone we're leaning towards? Will the Aprilia still be as strong? Maverick Vinales. I think um, this could be his weekend because not only are pretty coming here in fantastic shape, this is a good track for him. He's won here, as re in fact, his last win was here back in 2020. Um, he was on the podium here last year. The two guys that finished on the podium ahead of him last year, one is not here because he's injured, the other is kind of semi-injured, so I think it's, it's looking good for Maverick. Yeah, and it's also it's a, it's an Aprilia test track. Um, they have uh, been around here a lot, but then it's a test track for KTM. KTM. It's a, tra te test, a test track for Honda. Uh, it's a test track for uh, Ducati. Um, so, yeah, I, d d d all of the factories have a lot of data here. Um, there is grip. Uh, it's also a bit more stop and go-y than Barcelona was. It's not completely stop and go like, like uh, Le Mans, for example. Um, so 16 there is corners. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But there are some. There's a lot of slow corners. There's also some fast corners. Um, there is the uh, Curvone, of course, the back, the the back straight, um, or the back, not the back straight. The you know the 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 the, the fast series of sort of uh, right handers, which great is great place to watch. Yeah, it's just a magn It's it's a magnificent piece of uh, piece of track. It's great. Um, so there's you need. A, it's a lot more. Uh, flex. You need, your bike needs to be a lot more sort of you know flexible than, than uh, around Barcelona. Barcelona is much more about carrying corner speed. You need corner speed here, but you also need to be able to accelerate. You need to be able to. Uh, uh, you need to be able to brake. The Honda riders were saying, you know, we're definitely going to be sticking with the big aero here. Uh, I think the Yamaha riders will also stick with a big aero because it really makes a difference in that in that slow acceleration. You're not, you know, you, you don't have the, the the disadvantages of the big aero of the high drag because you're only. I think they hit. They might hit, just hit 300 k's around the uh, 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 for, for top speed, so it it's less of a less of an issue. Well, the uh, wood oven pizzas are awaiting us, so we're going to sign off from here on a Thursday, and we'll be back tomorrow, Friday afternoon. For Patreon listeners, come and join us, because we will bring you the news and the views and the opinions from the first day of practice here in Mizano. And the other thing is that, you know, tomorrow we might already have, find out what Mark Marks is, is going to be doing, or it might be Saturday, or it might be Sunday, or it might be um, India. So, yes, stay tuned.